This is the Jewel City Church Podcast, and this time we're doing something a little bit different. We're joining Unite Youth for their eight-week series, New Year, New Habits. So gear up with your Bibles as we set out to develop better disciplines in following the Lord. So if you open your binders, if you weren't here last week, there's a title page that tells you what all the messages are, what we're talking about for the next eight weeks. Then there's the notes from last week, which are already filled in. And then if you were here last week, you should have filled them in. But if you were not here last week, they are filled in for you. And then if you go to the next page, that is our notes for tonight. Is everybody following? Sorry that this is so complicated. (laughs) All right, so we are in a a new message series that we just started last week, and it's called New Year, New Habits. And so last week we just kind of gave an overview, talked about spiritual disciplines, what spiritual disciplines are, what they aren't. Um, And something that I'm not sure if I emphasized enough last week that I was like, I need to emphasize this. We talked about what they were and what they weren't and talked about how they weren't, you know, fruits of the spirit or they weren't boxes to check, but that they were ways that we could grow in our relationship with God. Um, But they are also not a means to salvation. So we are saved by the grace, by the um, death, or by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, And then these are things we can implement in our lives to grow closer to him. Um, And uh, uh, this quote that I, I really liked from a book that I've been reading as we go through this series, it's from Richard Foster, says, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. And so these disciplines, these things that we're doing, we are putting ourselves before God so that he can transform us. We aren't transforming ourselves. He's the one doing the transformation. And so tonight we are talking about studying the word of God. Um, And this is gonna be broken up Technically, it's in two parts, but actually, I think it's kind of go, going to be more like three weeks, because when we talk about biblical meditation in a few weeks, that also goes along with this. But we are starting in that tonight. We are talking about studying the Word of God. And so, what exactly is the Word of God? Well, just from looking at it from the outside in, um, the Bible <laughs> contains 66 books. There are 66 books of the Bible that uh, was written by over 40 authors over a span of 1,500 years. Which is pretty crazy when you think about it, that there's over 40 people writing this book, that there's 66 books of the Bible, that it was written over this long time span, but yet it all has the same message. It all points to Jesus. And um, the original text was actually written in three languages, which were Hebrew, Aramaic, which was like, a cousin to Hebrew, and um, Greek. And so all of those languages were in there. And so the Bible is divided into two large sections. Can anybody tell me what those two large sections are? McKenna. The New Testament and the Old Testament, that is correct. Um, And that is also in your notes. And so it is divided into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, And so it's divided in these big, like two big divisions, but then even furthermore, it's divided, uh, can be broken down further. And so this is something that has helped me as I've studied the word, especially, you know, if we're in church and Pastor Robert is like going through the Bible, I think about things in chunks or sections. That's just how my brain works. And so I like um, seeing kind of the breakdown of, so the first 
a few chapters, Genesis through Deuteronomy, are the law. They give the law to the Israelites. Um, and then you have the history, and then you have poetry, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, all of those fall under that poetry. And then the end of the Old Testament um, are the prophets. And so they are prophesying. And then the New Testament, we start out with the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then history and Acts, and then the epistles, Roman, Romans through Jude, and the epistles can actually be broken down further. You have Paul's epistles first. first. Gosh, I can't talk today. Um, and then you have the rest of the epistles who were, they were all written by other people. And so um, we have uh, Romans through Philemon were Paul's, which he's also kind of credited with Hebrews, possibly so. And then Hebrews kind of is that divide. And then you have uh, James through Jude, which are the rest of the epistles. And then you have Revelation, which is prophecy. Um, and then also in your notes, another name for the law is the Torah. So those first few chapters of scripture are the Torah. And so the way I said it out loud might not help you, but if you think about the Bible like that, especially when you're studying it and different things and just seeing how it kind of all fits together and how it's organized because I love organization. I like to put things in boxes and then put a label on it. So this, again, this helps my brain have some peace. And so anyway, um, and then when we think about the Bible today and we think about, um, obviously the Bible has been, started out with in three languages. Now it's in all kinds of languages all over the world. But the English translation that there's, it's been translated to English, obviously, but there's so many different translations. It's estimated there are 450 to 900 different translations, because you have like the NIV and the ESV and the CSB. How many of you guys have heard of like the different translations of like the English word of God or the English word of God in English? Yeah, it was a weird way to word it. So you guys know these different translations, and I think for a long time, how many of you guys have ever like asked yourself, what translation should I even be reading? Like, what is the best? Anybody? I know I have. Um, and there's not really a best or not best, but something, and this is, we're gonna get more into the, the message and different things after this, but something I just kinda wanted to preface, because um, if you look at your notes, you have your two pages notes, and then after that, you're gonna be reading in scripture throughout this week if you, I hope that you all will, will take the application seriously and you'll get in the word this week. But you might be like, well, what kind of translation do I read? What, what do I do? And so there are kind of like the core translations, which would be King James Version, New International Version, New American Standard, New King James Version, English Standard Version, <laughs> New Living Translation, and the Christian Standard Bible, which are all kind of, have been pretty rock solid, have been tested against time. Um, and not that others outside of that are necessarily bad, but it's always good to test others against that. And then when it comes to things like the message, how many of you guys have heard of the message translation? So it's like a paraphrase of scripture. And so if you enjoy reading that, not a bad thing, but it shouldn't be your core source of reading from the Bible because it's a paraphrase and it's not like the true word of God. And so that was just more of like a little side note. It's like, you're on a straight line, but then I just hopped over here. But just to let you guys know, and if that's something you're thinking about as you study the word of God to know where to go. I will tell you my personal preference, and this is not, I'm not saying this is right and wrong. I'm not saying this is the best. I'm just telling you what I like to read. I like to read the ESV and the NIV. I uh, love King James, but 
it really goes over my head. And so I'm an NIV ESV. I know that Vern is an NLT guy. I don't know anybody else's preference, but we have a CSB in the back. Yeah, so that's a really great thing as you do study the word that in the Bible app or if you have multiple Bibles and multiple translations to look at it across so that you can better understand it, might phrase something differently that makes more sense in your brain um, or might just give more clarity. And so with all of that being said, um, we are now gonna take a look at what the Bible says well, what the word of God says about the word of God. Um, so um, according to scripture, the word is breathed out by God. Second Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training, in righteousness. And so that means that while God used human vessels to write the word, that he is the one who inspired it, that this is truth, that this is reliable, that it is from him, that it is his breath out on, on these pages as we read the Bible. Um, the word is upholding the universe by its power. Hebrews 1, 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And then it is the sword, oh, here, are you guys done with that slide? Okay, it is the sword of the spirit, Ephesians six seventeen says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so, what do you guys, what is a sword? <laughs> it's a weapon, right? Sorry, that was a really vague question. I, the word I wanted was weapon, and I realized that there's a lot of things you could say there, so that was my fault, I apologize. So a sword is a weapon, right, that, um, so in, how many of you guys know we have an enemy that we are fighting against daily, that our enemy is not with flesh and blood, it is with power and principalities, that we have an enemy that seeks to kill um, and destroy. And so um, this word is, is our weapon against that, that it is truth, it is truth that we can hold on to, it is truth that we can um, use to, to fight the enemy. Um, and then the word is also living and active, and in Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it also compares it to a sword and in a little bit of a different way. So it says, for the word of our God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. And so it is living and active. So when we read the word, which we're gonna talk a little bit about more about later, but every time I read the word, I can read the same passage time and time and time again, but it might speak to my heart in a different way. And not only that, but it's transforming. It's life transforming. And it's living and active in a sense of, it's not just words right on a page. Like if you guys like to just read books, Addie, I know you like to read books. Sorry, I'm picking on you. But I know you asked for books for Christmas, and you got books for Christmas. And so those books are not life-transforming, right? If you read them, it's just like, it might be an excellent story. It could be the most well-written thing on earth. But the thing that distinguishes the word of God from any other book, anything else you read, is that it is living and active, that it transforms us from the inside out, um, and just like it compares it to a sword, that it's piercing through us um, to separate all of that that is of the world, that is of sin, and to, it discerns our thoughts, that it's able to, 
to do that. Um, and so in one sense, it's a sword that's a weapon because the scripture in Ephesians actually goes with the armor of God and basically how to fight the enemy. And then in here we see it's living and active and that it's piercing through. And so um, what else is the word of God? The word of God is also the gospel message. Um, in 1 Peter 1.25, it says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. And then in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you as believers. And so the word of God, it is the good news. All of the word of God points to this gospel message, to this good news um, that we have salvation, that we have forgiveness, that we have grace in Christ. And then lastly, um, it divinely personified. It is div divinely personified in Jesus Himself, and so Jesus is the personification of the spoken word of God. Um, and we can see that in John one eight through John one one through eighteen, which I'm not going to read to you, but we are going to read later tonight. Um, and then Revelation nineteen thirteen that says He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and that the name by which He is called is the Word of God. And then in John, I am going to paraphrase in John 1, 1, 18, but it talks about how the word became flesh and he came and made his dwelling among us. And so Jesus came down from his place in heaven, from his throne, um, and he dwelled with us in the world. And so all of these things, I'm not saying that this is the most extensive or expansive list. I'm sure there are more scriptures, more things you could find that would talk about what exactly the word of God is, like the fact that the word of God is what was spoken through the prophets to the nations, or that the word of God was spoken directly to people like Abraham and Adam and Eve and Moses back in the day, that there's other ways in which the word is spoken, but this is just kind of where we are tonight. And so now we're gonna talk about what the word of God does. And again, this list, like the last list, might not be completely extensive, might not have all the things, but here are some of the things that scripture points us to as to what the word does. And so, first of all, the word does not return void. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word that be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the one thing which I sent it. And so his words are purposeful. They're transforming. They do not return void. How many, can anybody tell me what the word void means? Anybody know? It's on a check. When is it on a check? <laughs> is on a check before you fill it out? At the end after you do what? <laughs> after you deposit it. <laughs> or if you cancel it. So it's either when you cancel a check you want to put void, or even after you deposit it and the check is no good anymore, you put void. Whenever it's no longer useful, right. So... It's this idea of canceling, this idea of no longer useful. It's also can mean emptiness. You know, it's like you go out into the void and it's just this emptiness. And so the fact that God's word does not return void is that it's not unuseful, right? It is useful, not unuseful. Sorry, there's two negatives and that's confusing. But <laughs> so it doesn't return void that the word is useful, that it is purposeful, that it is transformative, that 
um, he doesn't just willy-nilly say anything, but that every word has an intention behind it, and that there's power in the word of God. And just like we talked about just a little bit ago, that it's life-changing, that when we read the word, it's not just going to not do anything, that it will not return void. And then it sanctifies us in truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. So God's holy word, it is the truth. I guess we could add that also to what is the word, it is the truth. It is the truth, not a truth, not your truth, not my truth, it is the truth. Um, and John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. So what does the word sanctify mean? We've talked about it before. To clean, to make clean. What else you guys got? Anybody? To make holy. And so to sanctify is this, it's making, it's cleansing, it's making holy, it's purifying, um, it's to be made more like Christ. And the process of sanctification is not something that happens overnight. Like I'm not just going to wake up tomorrow and be like fully sanctified. That's not going to happen. It's a lifelong process of being sanctified, of being made more like Christ, of growing in him. And so um, as we read the word, and if we read the word daily, we are being daily sanctified. We are being daily transformed into the image of Christ, daily made more holy, daily that he's cleansing up all the sin, all of the crap, all of the junk in our lives. And then lastly, it sets us, well, not lastly, we have another slide, but it also sets us free. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so there's freedom in knowing and in studying the word of God. Um, there is a spiritual freedom from sin because what did we already say? The more we're in the word, the more we're going to be sanctified. The more we're going to be sanctified, the less, the more like Christ we're going to become. And the more like Christ we become, the less we will sin because we are in proximity to Christ. And so there's this freedom from sin. And then it also guides us in Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so if you're on a journey and you're out in the dark, the other day all the power was out in the church I tried to go through the sanctuary to get somewhere, and I couldn't see where the heck I'm going. And you might be thinking, oh, you know where the sanctuary and how it's laid out. But when you walk in it in the dark, it's just a different story. And so it's a lamp into my path. So I turn my phone flashlight on, and I'm walking in it because it's guiding my steps so that I don't run into a chair because I might have tried to do it without a flashlight, and I might have run into something. And so, and by that I mean I definitely did. But um, it is a lamp to our feet that it guides us. It shows us the next step. Um, it offers us wisdom. And it provides teaching reproof, corrections, and training. And then we're back to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. says, all scripture is breathed out by God. So again, it's from God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so... Um, which kind of ties back into sanctification that we may be complete and equipped for every good work that he's doing something in us, that he's reproving, uh, correcting, that he is training us up. And last week we talked a lot about training. Um, we talked about the spiritual disciplines because if you're going to go run a marathon, you're not just going to wake up one day and run a marathon, that you're going to train for it each and every day. And when it comes to our relationship with God, that we would train for it, that we would um, be disciplined in, in these things uh, of reading the word and doing these things so that we can be trained up for when the hard times come, for when things come against us and, on, and just onto um, eternity that we are constantly preparing and equipping um, to live this life for him so that we can spend 
or, and then to spend eternity with him. And so um, lastly, it offers hope. Romans 15, four says, for whatever was written in my former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so the scriptures offers, offer us encouragement. They offer us hope because when you read the pages, um, of scripture, you see a gracious God who lovingly sent his son to die for us so that our sins would be forgiven, um, so that we could be healed spiritually and, and more than that, so that we could have relationship, restored and redeemed relationship with him. And there's so much hope in that, that we have eternity with him. We don't have to, we are not condemned. Jesus came into this world not to condemn it, but to give us a life and a hope and a future. And so, um, that is our hope that it offers. And so what, all, what does all of this mean for us? And I know it was a lot of content. I know it was a lot of scriptures. I know it was a lot of things. But I wanted you all, before we kind of got into the, the crux of, of what we're talking about, to really have an understanding and to be able to see the full picture of what the word of God is, what the word of God does, how life-transforming it can be, because the thing I'm hoping that really comes from this if, is that if you don't already spend time in the word, that, that, you would, that you would see the beauty and the wonderfulness that is the word of God um, and that you would, you would be in that and you would read it and that you would be able to experience all these things that we're talking about, that you would be able to experience the freedom and the transformation and the hope and um, the guidance and the sanctification that um, the word has to offer. And so um, if you have a Bible, if you brought a Bible and you want to turn to this or if you want, yeah, <laughs> um, but it'll also be on the screen. Um, we are in Psalm 119, 9 through 16. And... Uh, this verse says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me wander, let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare uh, all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. And so this is a really powerful passage and again it starts out with this uh, question. How can a young man keep his way pure? And it's thought that so Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible um, or longest chapter in the Bible and, and the longest psalm. But uh, it's thought that it was written by David and it was written throughout the entire course of his life. Um, and in this particular passage, um, he's talking about how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. He goes on to talk about really how much he delights in the word of God and how he seeks him with his whole heart. And so um, how can a man or a woman, how can a person keep their way pure? By studying the word of God, by knowing the word of God, by sticking to it, by practicing the things that the word teaches us. Because it trains us, it corrects us, it reproves, it does all these things that we would live according to the word. And that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, and that doesn't mean that we're also doing it on our own. We talked about last week that it's the Holy Spirit doing these things through us. 
But as we get into the word and as we meditate on it, as we think about it, as we allow it um, to be in our hearts, it will transform the way we behave because the Holy Spirit will work, work through that because we talked about how the word doesn't return void, right? It's not just gonna sit there and do nothing. That as we read it and as we study it, it's going to create real change in our lives. And that my prayer for each of you is that, um, just as David says in this psalm, that you would delight in the word. There's something really joyful about studying the word. And how many of you guys are not readers? You're like, nah, I'm not a reader. So we have some not readers. I would also put myself in this camp. I, especially like in high school and stuff, everyone was reading like all these series and doing all this stuff. And I was just like, I just, there was a couple I ended up getting into, but reading was always hard for me. But there is something so special and so great and so magnificent about this word that it is worth reading. It is worth, you know, you might be thinking, oh, like I don't want to read another thing. But once you start reading it, there's something that draws you in and it's the presence of God. And there's something that as you start to read and as you read every day that once you get to that point, you don't want to stop reading because you delight in it. It becomes a habit, but it becomes a desire. Um, I think sometimes, like, what can start out as a discipline, and, you know, then it kind of becomes a habit, but it becomes this desire, this thing that you delight in. And um, so, uh, and again, kind of going back to that question, I know I keep saying it over and over again, but how can a way, how can a man keep his way pure? And so, in order for you to walk in this life, I, you know, talking about living according to the word. You have to read the word, right? You have to know the word. It has to be hidden away in your heart as so many verses um, in scripture tell us to do. And so, um, so how do we study the word of God? And also, we're gonna come back to this uh, passage in scripture next week um, when we talk a little bit more about studying. But how do we study the word of God? And so um, one thing is that the purpose of our studying, which we've already kind of talked about and we've already kind of keep hammering in, is that the purpose is not doctrinal purity, but inner transformation. And so what does that mean? It doesn't mean that doctrinal purity, gosh, I can't say it. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to know all the things, that you have to have this perfect understanding of all of scripture, and you have to know what everything means, because even the highest scholars at the highest levels cannot agree on some of the doctrine that is in the word of God. And so it's not about having this perfect knowledge, but it is about the inner transformation that comes from it. And should we know the word of God? Yes, but that doesn't mean that it's gonna be perfect. It doesn't mean we're gonna know the absolute answers to everything, but the purpose is inner transformation. Um, I forgot, I put this quote on your notes last week, but then I forgot to, to share it with you. And this is uh, from that same book, Celebration of Discipline from Richard Foster. And it says, to know the mechanics does not mean that we are practicing the discipline. And so by the mechanics, it means like to know how to do something. Um, so to know the mechanics, to know how to do something, does not mean that we are practicing the disciplines. The spiritual disciplines are an inward and a spiritual reality, and the inner attitude of our heart is far more crucial than the mechanics for coming into the reality of the spiritual life. The life that is pleasing to God is not a series of religious duties. We only have one thing to do, namely to experience a life of relationship and intimacy with God. 
And so when we go into studying, when we go into the word, it's not necessarily about knowing all the things, about knowing all the right answers. It's not about doing it to check boxes like we talked about last week. It is about building and fostering and growing a relationship with Christ and allowing him to transfer, transform, sorry, to transform us from the inside out. And it can be really easy to, to get lost in that, to just go through the motions, to just check the boxes, to just do what you're supposed to do. And I've been there in my life. I've just done the things I'm supposed to do, but that we would go in and we would say, Lord, I'm here, I'm before you, use your word to transform my heart. Um, and that we would go into it desiring a relationship with him. And so um, how to study, we're still in that little section. And so first of all, get alone with the Lord. So when you're, you know, when you're digging into the word, when you're spending time with him, that you wouldn't have the TV on the background or you wouldn't have all these other things, that it would be you and God and that you could spend that time with him because how many of you guys have ever been in a relationship? Like you've been dating somebody. How would you like it if like every time you guys hung out, you like the TV was always on the background and they were paying attention to the TV. They were like, you're having a conversation. Hey Gwen, how was your dance uh, performance last night? And they're just watching the TV and like maybe not even asking you questions. It wouldn't be, they're not engaged with you, right? So you want to be engaged with the Lord. Um, and then uh, when you're reading the word, uh, the word of God should not be read in isolation or out of context. And so by isolation, I don't mean I just told you, like, read it on your own. And now you're probably like, but now you're telling us the opposite. I'm not. By isolation, I mean when you read the word, um, you don't want to just read like one verse here and one verse over there and then kind of make your own meaning of it. It needs to be read as a whole. It's a whole, not that you're going to read, you're not going to sit down in one reading, but when you think about a verse, you want to think about it in the context that it's written in. So you want to read the other verses around it so you can get a full picture of what is being said. Otherwise, you could come up with some pretty crazy stuff, right? How many of you guys have like ever walked in on a conversation and you just hear one line and you're like, what on earth have you all been talking about and why? And then you hear like the full context of the conversation and you're like, oh, this actually makes sense now why you're saying what you're saying. You don't sound as crazy as I thought you did. Anybody? I see some nods. So it's the same with the word. So if you just like come in and you're like, I mean, you could probably get some really weird stuff from here. If you just came in, read one verse and you're like, I'm done and then walked away and you're like, just like thinking about that. Um, <clears throat> and so when you read the word and this is just one method that, um, and we're going to talk about it tonight. We're actually going to get in our small groups and we're going to kind of get into this and do it together. But one method um, you can use when you're studying the word of God is called the SOAP method because it can be really hard to know. You're like, okay, I'm reading the word, but like, what do I do now? Because like we said before, the book or the word of God is not like any other book, right? You're not just going to like read it, shut it, and then forget about it forever. You actually want to think about it so that it can transform your life. In Philippines, it talks about how that we should think about the things that are pure and good and noble and right and just. And one of the ways we do that is by being in scripture and by thinking about scripture. And so um, the SOAP method of, of going through scripture is, well, the first thing is scripture. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to read whatever passage that you're in. So we just read Psalm 119, uh, 6 or 9 through 
16. And um, so you read that. And the next thing you do is make observations. And so in observations, you're not saying anything crazy. You're, not, you're just saying exactly what is going on. So again, we're in this, in this verse in um, Psalm 119. And how can a young man keep his way pure? So we know that we're trying to find how to keep, oh, a young man can keep his way pure. And then it has different things about meditating on his words, about declaring his words, about seeking him with our whole heart, about all of these things. And we can just observe that just from reading it. And then the next thing, um, or, and with observations, you can ask yourself plainly, who, who are we talking about? Who all is involved in this passage of scripture? Um, and what is going on? And then we move on to the application, which, what does this passage mean for me personally? And so if we're on this Psalm 119, if we're looking at the observations of, okay, how can a man keep his way pure? These are all the things. How does this apply to me? That I can do all of these things to also walk in purity or walk with the Lord. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Maybe. Okay. And then the last thing is prayer. And so we can thank God for his word. We can pray, like just through those, even those applications that we were just talking about. Um, so, Lord, help me to like love your word more. Lord, help me um, to uh, not wander from your commands. And you can even just pray through the verse. If you don't know what to pray, you can just pray through the scripture. You can pray through what you're seeing, what you're applying, and all of these things. And so this is just one way to study the word because I know I've said this before, but especially last week, but for me, when I was your age, I was just like, I don't even know where to start. Like, where do I start reading? What translation do I start reading? What does this all mean? Like, what is the word of God? Um, And what is a simple way that I can, like, just start somewhere? And so here in a minute, we're going to split into our small groups, and we are going to read through, um, if you go to the next page that's after your notes, um, we are going to be reading John 1, 1 through 18, and we're going to be walking through this SOAP model of um, reading scripture with this passage. And so... um, And then um, the reason you guys have so many pages this week is because there's a little passage from John. We're going to be reading through John over the next eight weeks. So prepare yourselves, strap in. It's going to be great. And so we're going to be reading through John, and there's a little passage for each day for you to read, and then there's blanks for you to go through the SOAP method of, of reading scripture. And so, and then next week, we're going to add some more things to help you even study scripture deeper and further. But this is just kind of a really good place to start because it doesn't require you having all the knowledge, knowing all the things. It just requires you saying, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to say what's happening, apply it to my life, and pray through it. And so, um, and I was talking to Pastor Aaron this week, and he knew that we were doing this this Sunday. And if you were at the men's meeting, the men leaders who were in the room, or I don't know, maybe you guys go to the men's meeting. I don't, I don't know who goes to the men's meeting because I'm a woman, and I don't go to the men's meeting. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, Randy Efall went through this mes- method of studying the word, um, of ma- actually making observations. And so one thing you can do when it comes to Figuring out who, um, and especially leaders, just thinking about this as you guys are working through this. Um, so 
when it comes to all the different people, because as we read in John, there's a few different people that are mentioned in the verse. And so what they did is they highlighted each name. So like if it mentioned John the Baptist a bunch of times, because John the Baptist is going to be mentioned, it would highlight, they would highlight John the Baptist every time in the same color. Or if it mentioned Jesus, he would be in his own color. John would have his own color. Other people, the Peter, Matthew, Mark, they would all have their own color. Um, and so one thing you can do when you're making observations is I don't have colored pencils for you all, but you all have pens. And so you could circle a name. So like maybe John the Baptist gets a circle. Maybe Jesus gets an underline. Maybe somebody else gets a square. And so it helps you to see who all is, who all are we talking about? It lets you know that who. Um, and then you can look at the who and you can say, okay, what are they doing? And then um, kind of go on from there. Does that make sense? Everybody makes sense? Not that you have to do that, but it's something that can really help with observation. And so leaders, if you understood what I just said, um, maybe that's something you can walk through with your group. If you didn't understand, come see me and we can talk some more about it. But um, the biggest thing I want you all to gain from this is just reading the word of God doesn't have to be scary. And maybe you already have a great Devo life. And so maybe you're already like reading the word every day. And if you are, that is fantastic. Um, but maybe you've wanted to and you just don't know how. This is a good launching base for that. And so... Um, we are going to split up into our groups. I'm going to pray for us really quick. But before I do, um, if everybody across the room, bow your head, close your eyes. Um, we do have a lot of new faces and even some old faces. Um, I don't know where you all stand with the Lord. I don't know what's going on in your life. But there is a great and gracious and merciful Savior who came to this, uh, came to this earth. And as we're going to read in John, that the word became flesh, that he came and made his dwelling among us um, so that we could uh, have eternal life with him in this restored relationship. And so if there's anybody in this room um, who doesn't know the Lord, who has never surrendered their life, Everybody close, close eyes, bow your heads. Um, if there's anyone who hasn't surrendered their life to Christ um, in this room, if you would want to do that tonight, if you're saying, I want to give my life to Christ, I want to live for him, I want my life to be transformed, um, if you would raise your hand, um, and we can pray through that prayer with you. Okay, I don't see any hands. So dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to learn more about your word, to dig into your word, to learn about your word, God. And I just pray that as we separate into our groups, Lord, that you would just make the word of the, your word come alive to each of us, Lord, that there would be no intimidation, there would be no anything when it comes to it, Lord, but that there would be an excitement that you would stir up in each and every heart, Lord. You would uh, stir up a desire, stir up... Um, a delight uh, that would happen when, when they read your word, God. And I just pray that, Lord, that even this week, as they um, get into the word each and every day, Lord, that you would just speak to them um, in great and mighty ways, Lord, and that they would be already begin to see the transformation um, from your active and living word, Lord. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the gift that it is, and we thank you for sending your son for us, Lord. And God, we just love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 